This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. I'm Jessica Knoll. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. Ted Bundy is one of the most notorious serial killers, probably ever. He was not born in, but he grew up in Tacoma, Washington. And and that's actually where his, his crimes started. He confessed to killing at least 11 women in Washington. And, you know, he never admitted to, to killing Anne-Marie Burr, but um, he's told stories that, you know, kind of suggest that he may have had some involvement in that. And before we get to this week's story about a possible connection to a teenage Ted Bundy, we want to tell you about a new podcast from Vault Studios, Jessica, The Officer's Wife. Right, Will. The Officer's Wife is based out of Griffin, Georgia, and it's a case that's from 2016. It's about a young officer's wife who is found apparently shot in the head in a locked closet in their apartment building. And the kicker is... She is found laying on top of his service weapon. Yeah, so The Officer's Wife is available now wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, The first two episodes are available. It is a six-part series, and it's a collaboration between us, Vault Studios, and WXIA 11 Alive in Atlanta. So if you like True Crime Chronicles, if you listen to Bardstown, if you want to hear more of the kind of shows we're doing, check out The Officer's Wife. All right, let's get into today's story. It's the evening of August 30th, 1961, in Tacoma, Washington. It's the Thursday before the long Labor Day weekend. School starts the following week, but right now it's still summer for the kids in the neighborhood. It's warm out, especially for the Pacific Northwest, but a late summer thunderstorm is brewing off in the distance. Eight-year-old Anne-Marie Burr falls asleep to the sound of thunder and raindrops plinking off the window of her sister's second-story bedroom. You know, you wouldn't be able to necessarily hear if something was going on because it was that stormy. This is Tess Wagner. She's a senior producer for King 5 in Seattle, Washington. And so um, the kids weren't necessarily sleeping in their typical areas. Anne was up in upstairs with one of her sisters in, um, in her bedroom. But her two other siblings were actually downstairs um, in a fort kind of thing. Anne-Marie is one of four kids. They live with their mother and father in a little house next to the University of Puget Sound. She's excited, as any eight-year-old might be, to be going into the third grade in a couple of days. She was an older sister and a great older sister. And, you know, she was very caring and, and, uh, you know, just a typical eight-year-old girl. But sometime during the night, Anne-Marie Burr, even with her sister in the same room, would vanish without a trace. Her mother, Beverly Burr, got up early on the morning of the Friday to check on the kids. It was about 5.15 in the morning. This is Rebecca Morris. She's a crime author, and she's been investigating this case for more than a decade. And she saw the two kids downstairs still sleeping, but she went upstairs, and Anne was missing from her bed. So she put her house coat on and went outside and started going around the neighborhood looking for her daughter. She was going to na- going door to door to different neighbors, you know, trying to find out if anyone had seen Anne. And no one had. 
So she went back home and very quickly they called uh, the Tacoma Police Department and a couple of uh, uh, cops that were in the area visited the house. But it very quickly became a huge police presence and a, a big investigation. It was difficult because there was there was never any report of a strange car in the area. She didn't appear to be have to, she didn't appear to have been taken by somebody in a car. The police start by cordoning off the area and begin searching for Anne. Beverly, Anne Marie's mom, points them to two pieces of evidence. The first, someone in the night had pulled a garden bench up to the first story window and used it to get into the house. In doing so, they leave behind a partial muddy shoe print. It's later identified to be the size of a teenager's foot. The second piece of evidence is the fact that the front door was unlocked from the inside. And Anne had apparently walked out the door with somebody. And that's why we think that probably she knew whoever had come into the house and she walked out with them, you know, maybe thinking it was, you know, the morning was beginning with an adventure. Over the next few days, the surrounding fields, orchards, and play areas are searched by police and family alike. Neighboring University of Puget Sound was undergoing several major construction projects, which soon became a focus of the investigation. Anne's dad and Anne's um, uncle, her her dad's brother, went up to the campus and was kind of looking around. And there were seven buildings under construction that day on the University of Puget Sound campus. So there were all these construction sites and there were all these ditches. And Don Burr, Anne's father, went back to the house and told the police, you've got to go up there and look at those construction sites because there are all these ditches. And in fact, he and his brother had seen a teenager standing at one of the ditches and kind of kicking the dirt in with his feet. You know, not a not a active kind of cover-up at that moment, but but playing with it and and not trying to be uh unseen, being rather noticeable about it. That is always has kind of been one of the the big question marks is, you know, was she was she buried, you know, in was she buried in one of these ditches at the campus that's now, you know, been filled in by concrete and buildings. And this is one of the uh, clues we have to, uh, you know, 30 years later or 25 years later when, when Ted Bundy was hypothetically confessing to this crime. He said he stood at a ditch and then later walked over to the Burr house and watched the police presence and watched the people searching. As unlikely as it might seem, Ted Bundy lived in the neighborhood just a few blocks from the Burr household. At the time, in 1961, he was just another kid in the neighborhood, although one already gaining a reputation for being a bit of an oddball and an outsider. So when Ted Bundy was 14 years old, he was a paper boy in Tacoma, uh, kind of near the University of Puget Sound. He was not Anne Marie Burr's paper boy, but he was a paper boy in that area. His uncle actually lived just a couple blocks away from Anne. One of his childhood friends, Sandy Holt, told me that um, he'd walk, he'd be caught walking by when, you know, People had their clothes strung up outside to dry. He'd walk by and, and touch these women's clothing and be caught doing it. You know, he was looking through windows at night. He was kind of this, you know, 
from what I've been told, this mischievous kid, even at a young age. He didn't fit in anywhere. He always lied. I mean, always lied. You could not take anything he said as the truth. He lied to breathe. You know, he would take animals and he would light them on fire um, and and put them in mailboxes. And she said that he actually even threw one animal on fire into somebody's home. And everyone knew it was always him. Like, she said that it was just not any surprise when they knew, oh, it, it was Ted, if they saw something like that. Over time, even as a young teenager, his antics with humans got more aggressive and obscene. Sandy Holt told me that he attacked her when she was only six years old. He came up behind me one day and grabbed my shirt up here on my shoulder and said, come on, little sister, I want to show you something. It looked like he was talking like the big bad wolf. And I said, no, I don't want to go with you. And he said, well, you're going with me. And he grabbed my shoulder really hard. My brother saw him, came running halfway across the whole neighborhood jumped on Ted's back, knocked him onto the ground, and then got up on top of him and just pummeled him. Said, you keep your hands off my sister. According to Sandy and others, Bundy enjoyed humiliating younger kids, especially young girls. Ted would take, especially little girls, but he'd take little boys too, when they were old enough to be out in the yard, but not off to be off in the woods by themselves. So he'd volunteer to take him for a tour of the woods, show him all his neat tunnels and things that he'd dug. He'd take the kids out there, take their clothes off of them, pee on them in the clothes, and leave them there, screaming, not knowing where they were. As horrible as all this is, 14-year-old Ted Bundy was not even a blip on the radar for Tacoma police and the disappearance of Anne-Marie Burr. He was a deeply troubled teenager, not someone that kidnaps and murders an eight-year-old girl. Police do identify several other suspects, but with no hard evidence. The case goes cold. No body is found. And Anne-Marie's case, although championed by her family, begins to fade into obscurity. The next moment of interest in this case comes almost 30 years later and is directly tied to Ted Bundy. Ted, you know, grew up and, and uh, you know, he went to the University of Puget Sound, I believe, for a semester or for a year. And then he ended up going up to the University of Washington in Seattle. And that's kind of where we know that his crime started. He started, you know, attacking and killing women and, and luring them you know, to his car um, by using these fake things like, oh, my arm, my arm's broken and I can't load my boat onto my car. Can you help me? And then these women would go missing. And, you know, for years there was questions about where are all these women, you know, and then it started happening in other places. So it was like, is this connected, you know? And, you know, back then the media wasn't around like it is today. So they might not have had any idea that, Something that was happening in Seattle is now happening in Utah or is now happening in Colorado. It's not like it is today. And so this went on for years. He was caught for murdering a couple girls in uh, Florida. And 
you know, and he was convicted and, and put on death row. And in 1986, he started talking to some serial killer researchers and, and some media in Florida. He kind of talked about this hypothetical crime where he took a child out of her home and took her into the orchard next door and molested her and then killed her. And, you know, he never admitted to to it being Anne Marie, but that obviously sparked the interest of people in Tacoma because they're like, wow, this this hypothetical thing that he's speaking about matches what could have happened to Anne. And so that is where this, you know, Ted Bundy and Anne-Marie Burr link started was when he started talking, uh, you know, to these serial killer researchers. Nearly 30 years after her daughter goes missing, Beverly Burr writes to Ted Bundy in prison, almost begging him to confess to the murder and tell her where her daughter's body is. Part of that letter she wrote, I feel your first murder was our Anne-Marie Burr. The bench from the backyard was used to climb into the living room. The orchard next door was a dark setting for murder. What did you do with the tiny body? God can forgive you. And that's just part of it. Like, how gripping is that letter? And how, how like, you know, horrible for a mother to have to send a letter to this serial killer asking if he killed her daughter. You know, she wanted closure. And like 25 years later, she wanted closure about where her daughter was. And Ted wrote back to her actually, and and he said he knew nothing about it and that when he was 14 years old growing up in that neighborhood, he was a good kid and didn't have any horrible thoughts. And And he signed the letter to her mom saying, peace, Ted. Like, what a slap in the face, you know? Peace, Ted. Ted Bundy is executed in 1989, closing the door on any hope of ever finding their daughter. And it's really a tough place to be for the family because there's little evidence that Ted Bundy and Anne Marie even knew each other. And Bundy denied involvement in her disappearance. That being said, Bundy did admit that he would never divulge information of his first murder. He said your first crime is very special, and you don't talk about it, and you keep it close to you, and it's just this this thing. And it's really sickening to think about that. But uh, just before he was executed, when he was uh, divulging more about his crimes, he did not talk about Anne-Marie Burr. After years of investigation, Rebecca believes it's likely that Bundy may have killed Anne-Marie. I think it's important to remember that he killed other children. His very last victim, after a string of more than 30 murders, and maybe more than 30 murders, but his last victim was a 12-year-old girl in Florida. And uh, among the others, you know, we know, we know his uh, role model. I mean, we know the model for being a Ted Bundy victim was a co-ed with long, dark hair parted in the middle. But he killed the 12-year-old. He also killed a 14-year-old. And there were these uh, 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 people that stood out among his, his usual victims. 
As someone that actually grew up with Ted Bundy and watched his later interviews, Sandy Holt is convinced he killed Anne-Marie. In one interview I saw, he smirked when they asked about Anne-Marie. So I knew he did it. Because he always got this little, kind of a sicky looking, almost a smile, but not quite. Kind of a mean smirk. And I just knew that he was the one that got rid of her somewhere. For Tess, she's most saddened by the fact, not that she doesn't know, but that the Burr family has never been able to close this tragic chapter of their lives. You know, for me, the most impactful thing while researching all this and and doing all my interviews was my conversation with her brother, Greg. Um, You know, he was five when she disappeared, and now he's in his 60s. and, And just talking with him and hearing, you know, what he had to say about it and the fact that he says he doesn't need closure and that... You know, knowing that their parents are in heaven with her is what is all he ever needed. And so, you know, kind of hearing that really kind of put it into perspective that we may never know what happened to Anne. We may never know if this was Ted Bundy's, you know, first murder and first crime. And I think that's a little bit unnerving, especially for for her family and that they could never have answers is, is, um, is really sad and kind of heart- is heartbreaking. So Spencer and Jessica, when we started looking at this story about maybe a, an early crime involving Ted Bundy, obviously we discussed, you know, another Bundy story. It's been done all, all over the place, movies, documentaries, but this unique angle of a case maybe involving a teenage Ted Bundy, I think, was intriguing to us and is intriguing to people who know a little bit about Bundy or a lot about Bundy. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, looking back at one of the most prolific serial killers of of our time and looking at what could be his start um, and and, and the unknown uh, is interesting and Covering these kinds of stories and covering serial killers, we know from experts that a lot of the times that starts with the killing and the mutilation of animals. And it sounded like he did that at a very early age. So that kind of preempted his his run then into killing all these women. And so the idea that he may have been responsible for this little girl's death as well— uh, is just horrifying. Yeah, and going back to Will's initial point, too, of it's so kind of in the era of making Bundy stuff, and so many people have done it, this is looking back on his very first, and that's what's really chilling about it, is like this is the moment where the animal torture and the thing and the other things that were that were disturbing and, and odd behaviors, it may have been his transition into actually hurting human beings. And on the other side of this is a family who has lost a a daughter, a family member, a young girl, and she just vanished. And maybe there's a connection, maybe there isn't, but it's it's a case in and of itself, with or without Ted Bundy. And and sixty years later, still no answers for this family. And in regards to that, the thing that's really even more sad is that the the family members that were 
alive and really hard charging and trying to find their daughter, that would be the parents, they're now gone. And the only ones that are still alive and carrying Anne-Marie Burr's memory were her younger siblings. She was the oldest at eight years old, and the next child was five or six years old. I mean, those kids are now in their 60s, and and I think that they're in a spot where it's traumatic and terrifying uh, that their sister was, you know, that their, their sister disappeared, but they don't even necessarily fully remember her as their sibling. And there was not a whole lot of evidence. I mean, we mentioned a couple clues there uh, about how she might have disappeared, but it was literally the middle of the night she vanished. Right. And and I think uh, in, you know, in us talking with other people about this case, there, if this would have happened 20, 25 years ago, this might have been a very different case. It was 1961. Uh, DNA was in its very infancy. There's just no way that they were going to solve this case with what they had at that time. And and there were other suspects in this case as well, right? Apparently, yes, there were other suspects. They were looking for teenage aged uh, kids. Um, and uh, the police did uh, investigate. They interrogated uh, a couple of people that were in that age range, but no one was found to be, uh, you know, in any larger connection to Anne-Marie Burr. One of the clues that they had why they were looking for a teenager was the size of the footprint, which I found kind of bizarre as as a piece of evidence to determine that it was a teenager, right? I mean, that's what we understand is that they, they looked at this shoe print, this footprint, and decided, well, this could be a, a teenager's footprint. Obviously, you know, as we think about it now, and I assume even then, that could be a, a, an adult with a small shoe size. But it's one of those odd things about this case. The other thing that I do want to bring up is uh, Beverly Burr's letter that she sent all those years later trying to gain some sort of closure. I mean, she was, it seemed like she was practically begging uh, Ted Bundy while he was about to be executed within the next, you know, couple of years. He was on death row. She was saying, you have nothing to lose. The letter itself even talks about, you know, God's going to forgive you um, if you tell me if you killed my daughter. And she kind of laid out what she thought was the way that the killer uh, took her daughter. Um, And Ted Bundy responded, you know, I I didn't do that. I was just a normal kid at that time. Um, But then there's the intriguing idea of he had also said that he would never discuss the details of what he calls his first murder. And that is like so chilling that even on essentially his deathbed about to be executed, he didn't want to reveal the intimate details, the feeling that he uh, had while he killed his first victim. I think that is just so deeply terrifying and so sad for that first victim's family. Well, I think that's all about control. He still had that control, maintained that control up until he was executed. Well, and let me just conclude by saying, you know, clearly we don't have any direct link to Ted Bundy at this point uh, on on any official level. And we don't know if she was murdered. Um, So there's a lot of questions about this case. All right. So if people want to learn more about our show, about these cases, about this one in particular and others, where can people go? Well, we are on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We also have a Facebook group page called Inside the Crime Vault, where folks can come and join the discussion about this case, other cases that we're looking at, and 
tell us cases that they think we should take a look at. And if you like this show, please uh, go on to the platform that you're listening to the show on and uh, give us a like. Uh, please review us and subscribe to our show and future shows from Fall Studios. And we'll be back next week with a new case and a new story.